Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I am your host, Bridget Connery, coming to you from the dialed studio at Hula on the shores of beautiful Lake Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. In today's episode, we share our conversation with William Siff, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, ethnobotanist, founder of Gold Thread Plant-Based Tonics, and author of the newly released book, The Plant Medicine Protocol, Unlocking the Power of Plants for Optimal Health and Longevity. William also happens to be one of my principal herbal teachers and a good friend. We talked about his plant-powered path to now, which has culminated in this beautiful book, a comprehensive and easy-to-follow guide on how to integrate medicinal plants into your daily life. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey there, and welcome back. What a pleasure it was to reconnect in this episode with one of my principal herbal teachers, William Siff, to discuss his newly released book, The Plant Medicine Protocol, Unlocking the Power of Plants for Optimal Health and Longevity. I have known William for about 15 years now. Back in 2009, I graduated from the Farm to Pharmacy program, an educational offshoot of the Gold Thread Herbal Apothecary that he founded in 2003. This seven-month internship was one of the first of its kind in the U.S. It combined hands-on learning working on the herb farm that supplied the apothecary with classroom herbal education, medicine-making, and clinical observation. I then went on to work for William, running the outdoor farm kitchen that nourished the students participating in the three-week intensive version of the program. The menu was centered on the herbs growing on the three-acre farm, combined with organic produce that we gathered from neighboring vegetable farms. Our goal? To saturate the students' bodies with as many medicinal plants and tonic herbs as possible to complement their classroom discussions and farm work. Why? Because as William posits in his book, the experience of consuming medicinal plants conveys their power and efficacy directly to the body in a way that words don't. They are packed full of information and nutrients, which when properly integrated into our lives, strengthen and fine-tune our vital systems and reconnect us to the natural world, the ultimate source of health and wellness. Becoming closer to nature and closer to medicinal plants in particular is a lifestyle, not a quick fix. It is consuming many plants, not just one or even a handful, consistently and over time. Your plant allies will change, weaving in and out of your life based on a whole range of factors, including your overall health, your activities, where you live, and your age. The Plant Medicine Protocol provides a framework, multiple tools and tips, resources, and my favorite part, recipes, for how to create your own personalized plant-powered routine. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. We're excited to be stocking both the book and William's wonderful gold thread plant-based tonics at Lucky You, our soon-to-open retail store in downtown Burlington. Through mid-December, we will be offering the book at a 20% discount. It's the perfect gift for yourself, or someone you love this holiday season. Not a local? 
William is also offering his book with a discount for a limited time on his website, drinkgoldthread.com. We've dropped a link in the show notes. Okay, let's get into our conversation now with William Siff to learn more about how to saturate yourself with medicinal plants. Well, William Siff, welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited (laughs) to be here. Good. Uh, Well, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first and just talk a little bit about our connection before we dive into your background and the book, which I'm really excited about. So we know each other. (laughs) I think our relationship is multi-level. I I consider us friends, even though I haven't seen you in a long time since uh, you moved out west. But you were my teacher first. And so one of my herbal teachers, I would say that you were probably, I would say, my secondary herbal teacher. I had Jennifer Costa on in season one. She was my first official plant medicine teacher back when I was living in Woodstock, New York. And when I moved back to Massachusetts to the Berkshires, I was introduced to you when you were running uh, your Gold Thread Herbal Apothecary. And so we're going to get into a little bit about that apothecary and about the Farm to Pharmacy program. And I just wanted to put out there in the beginning that that's how I know you and that I went through that program. And that's how we got to become friends as well. And so I'm really excited that we're reconnecting here to talk about your awesome book. So before we get there, let's talk a little bit about you and how you became such good friends with the plant kingdom. (laughs) Okay. Well, also, I'll start off by saying it's great to reconnect with you too, Bridget. It's been way too long. Yes. And it's and, and although it's been a long time, I've been sort of peripherally tracking your progress, and it's been really cool to watch all the things you're doing. And oh, that's you. been inspiring, and especially this latest venture. So hopefully we get into that too. But as far as plants, it's not like one event, you know, that's, it was sort of like a, a series of interlocking things that sort of got me obsessed with medicinal plants. I grew up in Massachusetts near Walden Pond, which I often talk about because it was like a you know, it's where Thoreau was mm-hmm. and had his cabin and the famous Walden Pond, if you're familiar with that in New England, especially. And it's gorgeous. It's full of magic. It's a really beautiful forest surrounding this crystal spring-fed lake. And I used to go there all the time and swim and run through the forest, trail run and stuff like that. It was kind of during a time when I was just starting to uh, reconnect with nature, I guess, in a way that was, you know, when you're in high school and you're, I, don't know, I was kind of uh, feeling a bit awkward at times and I was sort of <laughs> not exactly have that place to ground or like calm down or reconnect with myself or just breathe. So I'd go there all the time. And that was where it was at for me. Nature was there and nature was like evidently the place for me to uh, feel connected to everything. I felt healthiest when I was out there breathing hard and breathing in the, the, the sense of nature and so on and, and, and just the quiet and all the different sensations that nature brings. It's like as if, you know, a 16-year-old, I'd never really noticed plants before. Like I never knew what all these things that had been surrounding me all this time were. I never really even keyed into them. And then once I started to, I remember running through a field and sort of seeing this flower, this white flower is in bloom. There's hundreds of them, thousands of them in this pasture. And it's, it's called soapwort. Hmm. And it's just, you know, a pretty 
nondescript flower that's easy to walk by and no one would necessarily pay attention. And I just went out to the field and got down on my hands and knees and looked at it very closely and examined it. And just some light bulb of fascination clicked on. And I was like, I really would like to know more about what you are, who you are, <laughs> and what you're doing here. So I got a, some Peterson's field guide, the first of many different types of guides, looked it up and I, I found it. And I was like, oh man, this thing's actually been used forever by the indigenous people that lived here for medicine. And I found that so interesting. And then when I had that book with me all the time, I started to become like a botany nerd. I just wanted to identify everything I could but particularly keyed in on like medicinal uses of these different plants. Cause I just thought it was really fascinating that you could have medicine all around you all the time. Yeah. I was experiencing the environment being medicinal for me anyway, on different levels. And so to know that it is literally medicinal <laughs> was a whole yes. other <laughs> level for me. Yeah. So. Do you think you would have said that at your age back then? Were you conscious of that? That's an early awareness, I think. I think you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> You know, to have found kind of like that kind of passion and connection so early on, you know, and then having the discipline to follow it. Well, I would say I definitely wouldn't have recognized it then. It was much more intuitive and much yeah. more based on curiosity. And there's a thing about reconnecting with nature in general. I mean, that is strong. It's not like I caused it or something. It's like through when you were saying through my discipline and stuff. There are some ways in which that was true, especially going on and studying and sticking mm -hmm. with something. But I would definitely say this thing was more something that grabbed hold of me when I didn't have much of a say in the matter. Because mm. I would just find myself driving down the road all the time looking out the door for like what is on the side of the road that I can pull off the, out of the car and go and look in that field and be like, I saw this flower I've never seen it before. I want to identify it. And then my car just being filled with plants drying on the, like, uh, you know, the dashboard and in bags. And, you know, I had always a backpack with like little plant loops and ID guides and like all that <laughs> stuff. So I was kind of just obsessed with it. Um, and as I, as I got more familiar with all the different plants in my world, I felt more and more connected, I would say, to my world because I felt more. I, I used to call it like becoming indigenous, you know, because mm. you can you can easily live anywhere, overlay yourself onto any environment, and have no idea what is around you, and you're just sort of walking around in a world, but you don't necessarily have a feeling of uh, integration with it. And that, that's a great thing about understanding the local plants. And where you live and it, and it travels. So whenever I would go somewhere, that's the first thing also I key into is I'm going to the Southwest or yeah. another country. It's like, what's growing here? Or even in a city, you know, yes. what plants you are orient growing? yourself to the world. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So did you go to school for it? Like, did you go well, to college and study? Uh, I studied, I basically, my, my degree is in medical anthropology because I was interested in the ethnobotanical aspect of anthropology. So how do people use plants specifically for health and healing? Mm. And where did you go to school for this? I mean, that's not a major that I feel like was probably that accessible back then. Well, anthropology is. Um, right. Medical not anthropology. Ethno, yes, medical anthropology and ethnobotany in particular. 
Yeah. And that's just something that, you know, I had to like construct for myself, but I went to the university of Rhode Island and it has a great anthropology program. It's helped me practice medicine in general, um, to have that background. Cause it's really how I see and, and contextualize a lot of, of things about health in general. Right. Um, so was acupuncture school soon after that? I w- took a break and started, I really wanted to travel, of course, and that's a big part of what anthropology is. So I went mm-hmm. and traveled around and visited different cultures. I spent some time out in the Southwest. I did a project with the Hopi Navajo people. I went down into Central America. And then at a certain point, I realized, I, I mean, I had still always been, I'd been continuing my interest in medicinal plants specifically and learning more and more about them. And I had a good framework at that point to understand them through this ethnobotanical lens. And mm-hmm. that's what sort of drew me to, to Chinese and Asian systems of medicine. And I lived, when I wasn't traveling, I lived in Boston and I would kind of go in and out of basically like a, a Chinatown area. It's not in Boston, it's in Alston, Mass. And mm-hmm. I there's a whole street back then of herbal pharmacies where I could not visit them enough. For, yes. for no, and, and, and also not even necessarily for a real reason. Like uh, Just a look. My, yeah. <laughs> the Just smell look. and all that stuff around me. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to be around it. You know, the smell of like the, the Chinese herbs when you walk in the door and the, and the people wrapping them up in craft paper, you know, to be and tying them up with these, you know, little ribbons to be get, given out to people for uh, yes. their, their prescriptions. And then there's a doc in the back practicing acupuncture and taking people's pulse and looking at their tongue. So I would go there a lot. And then I, that was what keyed me into the idea that this is actually a potential profession, that actually mm-hmm. there's people that do this all the time. And by do it, I mean actually help people with their health, help people right. treat, treat illness and, and improve health. And I looked around for different ways to get licensed in this field of natural and traditional medicine. And I chose acupuncture because, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to study and, and have a framework for how to, to um, think about prescribing medicinal plants to people. And the Asian systems of medicine then and now are such a great framework for um, effectively delivering plants into people for health benefits. So I chose that. I went to New Mexico and studied out there in Santa Fe for four years. And uh, and then I got going and started practicing. Yeah. And so I think I read in the book, which I didn't know that you started in Maine, and then you came to Florence, which is where I met you. Uh, where you opened Gold Thread Herbal Apothecary. Talk about that a little bit, because that place was pretty special. I mean, it was unusual at the time, too. I mean, I think today they're a little bit more common, but back then, I mean, when did, when did uh, Gold Thread first open? 2003. 2003, yeah. And so I lived in the Berkshires. I had to travel, what, an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes to get to you, and you were the closest opportunity for me to experience something like that. So it was kind of ahead of the curve. Yeah, I think so. I mean, one of the things is that I wanted to set up one of these apothecaries or pharmacies and like that I'd seen in Boston, I'd seen in Asia, and I was sort of looking for an area that would embrace that. And at the time, Maine definitely was not that, especially not in the wintertime. 
the coast of Maine is, can be kind of cold a little bit. And, and rugged. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in the middle of winter. So I went back to Western Mass where it's a, you know, you know, it's a progressive college mm-hmm. zone and people are already kind of hip to lots of things, but certainly like, you know, what was then called like alternative medicine, it wasn't sort of a foreign concept. Whereas in Maine, I had to go around like to the Elks Club and the the VA and like I had to do all kinds of like legitimizing about what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. and which was fine. I mean, it was all good practice, but I wanted to set up this thing also because I wanted the herbs and the medicinal plants to be the stars of the show and to be up front and, and dominant in the space. And what was cool about it, I mean, it was, it, it was right in the center of the town. It was kind of like the central business in that town really. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and it thrived, which was a great sign. Um, I set it up looking really nice or we set it up looking really nice and not like kind of witchy or some, yes. you know, you, you know, something that's like from yesteryear or like it was, it was professional. It was contemporary. Yeah. People could feel like, all right, this is clean and nice and organized and feels good in here and credible, you know? And mm-hmm. so I set that up where it, it was kind of like a community public health institution you know there's a lot of interest in medicinal plants then there still is probably more now than ever mm-hmm. and but there wasn't necessarily a lot of credible um ways to get really good information about how to use it in your daily life um you know you could go to whole foods or something in the supplement section there and someone who's interested in this subject and like they, they'll give you some good advice potentially but they're not licensed necessarily. They're not sort of diagnosing you or like giving you the real deal about what, how to use medicinal plants, how not to, like what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, how do they interact with other things, um, how long should you take them for a certain condition, at what dosage, and all this kind of like really important information that the, the, the apothecary like served um, to fulfill. So people could walk in off the street and they didn't have to have a, an appointment with me where it was like, you know, in the back rooms and I'm giving them a treatment and, a, and a, an intake and it costs, you know, a hundred bucks or something like that. They could just walk in and say, uh, you know, I woke up today with some allergies mm-hmm. and I just wanted to find a way to see or address them potentially without using you know, some kind of over-the-counter medicine from the pharmacy is, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So that was really great because I would be able to give some credible advice and really pretty quickly give people some context about how to use these things for that issue. So, or any issue. So it's, it's, I could, you know, say, take these herbs for this issue. And the idea is not to stop those symptoms, just, to, but the idea is to get to the issue, the root cause. And, that might be in your digestive system. And so try this thing as well, you know, this other herb formula or tea, and mm-hmm. maybe do this kind of dietary thing at the same time and wait a couple of days. And then this is what the changes you should be looking for are and drink a lot of water and do this and that. I could do all that in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And so people would get like a little bit of an understanding how medicinal plants fit into their lives and they might come back with another issue or something they might recommend a friend come there for their issue and so we it became an institution where people could get if in the issue if like if the issue wasn't able to be resolved in a simple way that's when i would see them in the back 
and say, okay, that's more detail. We've got to get in the back and do a real intake and really dive into your lifestyle and might have to do some acupuncture, some body work, some mm-hmm. nutritional therapy and some herbs. But right. But there were many, many other people that could just walk in and then they knew exactly what to get for themselves over time. And they would fill up their cupboards and so on with their own remedies that they now understood on their own how to use. And that was the great part is that it really built people's capacity to to utilize this form of medicine. Yes, for sure. And I think that's what you're trying to actually educate people about in in the plant medicine protocol, which we're going to get to in a minute. But the next level that you took was to then make the connection of like, hey, I have all these plants. I'd really like to start growing them locally to supply yeah. apothecary. And that's how the farm started and the farm to pharmacy program, which was that the first in the country? Were you the first one to really do the farm to pharmacy program where you had, you know, not just growing the herbs for to sell through an apothecary, but to have the education base around it too, to invite people to come in and learn about how to grow plants through the different seasons and also have like an herbal CSA associated with it. So, you know, people who subscribe to a farm CSA, they think about that as being like, hey, I give the farmers the money up front of the season to help them with their, you know, with their finances to run the farm. And I get a box of food you know, every week for so many weeks during the season. And you turned it into an herbal version of that where you took subscriptions up front and and we all got a box of medicine like three times a year, you know, based on the different things that were happening at the farm. Uh, and right. I think that was, yeah, I mean, that was like one of a kind, right? <laughs> I, think, I think so. What, I, what happened with me was that that area, of course, in Western Mass, Vermont, it's one of the like key areas in the country that has developed the movement of CSAs in general. So community-supported agriculture, where I was living, turned into community-supported dairy, community-supported meat sharers, and community-supported like anything you could grow or pick or harvest, you know, or produce locally was something that was a viable option for that model, where you know, where basically the community got involved and supported in advance, the um, production of whatever it was that we were talking about here. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was medicinal plants. And the idea was always to like, how do we supply a lot of the different medicinal plants that we're selling and dispensing in the apothecary ourselves and locally in some way? And wouldn't that be great, you know, to kind of sort of like close the loop or like tighten up the loop a bit in terms of how we are thinking about sustainability and freshness and just the connection to the plants themselves. And that's what started all. But of course, I was also a full-time clinician. I had young kids. I was running a business. There's employees and so on. And farm work didn't like factor in. You know, because farm work's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, farm farm work's farm enough. Farm work's hard. Exactly. Yeah. Being a <laughs> farmer, like, right? You don't have to like have. It doesn't fit the like. I'm going to have like multiple jobs profile. You know, farming yes. is the job all the time, yes. twenty four. So, so people would come up and then ask me what I'm doing, my friends and stuff like that, and I just tell them what's going on. And it, it, it was a way to relate to like let's. Let's do some gardening and farming together, and uh, I'll tell you about the different medicinal plants that I'm planting here and what they do. And when you leave, you can take a bunch, and or at the end of the season, you can we'll split it up, you know. And mm-hmm. that 
that kind of grew into the education program because that was the model. You know, I, it, it took a lot of hands to get that kind of work done. And, and it occurred to me that I'm, I'm really good at sort of communicating about medicinal plants and their efficacy and how to use them and all that. So I was like, I'll just create a program. And so the farmer pharmacy program evolved out of that same thing, just having people come up and in exchange for working on the farm, which itself is a hands-on educational process um, to learn all about organic and biodynamic agriculture and especially growing these like somewhat rare and exotic plants that most people don't necessarily have any connection to or understand so growing them and learning how to grow them that's processing them turning them into finished medicines drying them in a drying room knowing when to harvest them all that kind of stuff saving their seeds for the next season that's like a that's one aspect or one track of the farm to pharmacy and then the other part was clinical education an education about the fundamentals of traditional chinese and ayurvedic ways of thinking about um health healing and, and the inclusion of medicinal plants into everyday life as a way to optimize health. And then the herbs and the medicinal plants would end up in the pharmacy going to the community. So it kind of closed the loop. You know, it was a way also to connect the people that were supporting the CSA. They would get to come and see the where this medicine was coming from and that it was an actual it derived from living plants that looked in some cases like, okay, I can relate to this. This is like, you know, it's, I get my vegetables from this farm and I get my medicine from this farm. It's like, um, I think it's just a natural way things should go ultimately or can go. You know, we could talk about the Farm to Pharmacy program all day long because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's a lot going on there. But I do think, you know, as we discussed in our prep call, like everything that you've done has kind of led up to this book that you just released. And I want to make sure that we kind of pivot to there right now just because of time. But you already started to talk about it, you know, about this whole idea of plant saturation and getting plants into every kind of level of your life and what the benefits are of it. So I think that we should jump there. You really put together a beautiful book. And I know it was a team effort, but it's really amazing. I was so psyched to get it this weekend. Thank you. And it is jam-packed with amazing information, but also really beautiful pictures. <laughs> it's very much alive. So let's talk about it. What is the plant medicine protocol exactly um actually you know what? i want to back up one second i want to talk about the healthcare pyramid okay. <laughs> because i think it's an important piece because i think that puts almost everything into perspective it's a good yeah. place to start yeah again the pyramid the health what we call the healthcare pyramid was just again it's a it was a, a sort of a joint construct from david crow and i that came about through all of our work together on the farm to pharmacy programs and it was a it was a theoretical construct that was made you know sort of like beneficial for explaining the place of medicinal plants and traditional medicine in general in our current healthcare system but it's based upon like actual truth not something that's um just entirely made up or like wishful thinking mm -hmm. and what it essentially is about is kind of what you're saying. When, when people come to see people like me who are working in the natural medicine field as professionals, oftentimes I'm seeing them when they're already kind of behind the eight ball and with their health and they're coming in with sort of advanced issues. They've already been to a lot of different elements of healthcare 
before seeing me. So I, oftentimes it's, they're, they're using traditional medicine, plant medicine, acupuncture, naturopath, uh, chiropractic, these types of things, oftentimes as last resorts after they've already been in, say, the Western medicine system, taking pharmaceuticals, doing advanced testing, you know, maybe even surgery and so on and so forth. And so when people come in with disease processes already well underway, that kind of goes it flies in the face of a lot of the tenets that you learn in traditional medicine right off the bat, which are, you know, it's, it's all about digging a well before you're thirsty. It's all about prevention and optimization and ideally, and using the least harmful, the least toxic, the least expensive, least environmentally, you know, damaging things first <laughs> and foremost and regularly and consistently before moving up what I would call the pyramid. So what that means is, it's the everyday lifestyle practices that keep us strong and resilient and healthy. And plants are, are chief among those in my mind. But it's mm-hmm. diet. It's exercise. It's things such as, uh, you know, like uh, yoga and, and all kinds of exercise, essentially. But, but also, like, when it comes to therapeutics, it's things like saunas and cold plunges and the things that we would do on our own every day. And that would be, in my case, this also is where medicinal plants and the book come in. It's using medicinal plants every day as a way of strengthening your core body systems. But these are the things that are just everyone knows about. It's like how we live. And and that is the first tier, you could say, of the pyramid, the foundation upon which health is constructed. Mm -hmm. And the next level up, would be uh, would be actually where I reside, which is like the professionalization of natural medicine. So on the on the base of the pyramid, it's sort of like the democratization of like natural medicine. It's sort of like uh, what I was saying at the beginning of this call, knowing your local plants, so that when you uh, have a simple health issue, you kind of know where to go, whether mm-hmm. it's outside to gather it or maybe you're growing it. You know, it's like it is in a sense folk medicine. Without, without like too much like emphasis on the word folk, meaning like equating with like ineffective or weak or sort of like outcompeted or something. And it also involves this is again I'm talking about the base of the pyramid. It also involves the context of understanding how to even think about health. Um, if you think about it, we don't get a lot of health education in general in this society. But even like when you think about how traditional medicine is born out of cosmologies and these cosmologies are essentially seeing people as inextricably linked with the natural world. Like, and the idea is to to sync up with the natural world in order to like, um, uh, absorb and utilize the forces of the natural world to stay healthy as opposed to swimming upstream and, and, and battling it very simply it's like you know when it's cold out and the seasons are changing like it is now they are now it's knowing how to adjust our diet our exercise patterns our sleep patterns you know our, our activity like what foods are going to like best serve the transition of this organism we live in to synchronize with the massive changes going on around us yeah. so then you go up to the next level and it's the professionalization of dispensing natural medicine so that's acupuncturists and Ayurvedic doctors and, you know, again, chiropractors and naturopaths and anyone utilizing the tools and the techniques of natural medicine, but more in a professional way to treat things that 
fall outside the scope of what someone who's just kind of living their life might want to deal with because not everyone's a professional. So the next level up beyond that, again, we're still using the same things. We're just using them in a more focused way or in a more skillful way. And, and, and the, the medicinal plants in this case, for example, would change from the, the, the foundation is more like what you'd add to your cooking and your diet. It's the things actually in the book are all about this tier or this um, level of the, of, the, of the pyramid. It's the things that are they're medicinal plants, but they're akin to food in a way. They're like um, they're not they're not sort of specifically dosed or concentrated supplement versions or medicinal plants that you wouldn't want to take for extended periods of time because. They're not drugs, but they're strong in a way that like you have to understand things about constitution of an individual and right. potential side effects and the duration of time that you would take this kind of thing for a specific result, right? So that's, that's the difference between the two kinds of – you're still using plants. You're just using them in a different way. By the time you get up to the next year, that's what we would call like I guess traditionally like Western medicine as it's practiced today. And largely that's advanced diagnostics and um, – surgery and utilizing pharmaceutical medicine as your chief intervention when it comes to dealing with health. Right. Unfortunately, most people tend to start there, you know. Right. And that's um, not even the, that's not even the top. I mean, the top of the very top is emergency medicine. Right. And that's like, you know, going on in the ambulance to the emergency room for a, an acute um health disaster of some sort. Yes. And what the whole point of this model is to say is like in a in a in a sane and sustainable and functional healthcare system for a society, this is what it really looks like. Our we're t- we're our, it's built on a connection to nature. It's built yeah. on a on a sort of self reliant, self empowered understanding of how to stay well and be well, utilizing nature and natural principles. And the objective or the idea is that you would utilize the top tiers only uh, in proportion to the bottom tiers, meaning you, 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 cause they're stronger, they're more mm-hmm. invasive, they're more expensive. They are potential uh, for side effects or, um, you know, iatrogenic un- unintended effects is much higher. Mm-hmm. And mostly a lot, a lot of times they're, they're, they're built upon suppression of symptoms primarily, you know, when it comes to pharmaceutical medicine, uh, mostly. Right. And, and so the idea is like if, if, if that is where you start and if that's the foundation of our medical system, which it clearly is, and, and like the connection to the natural world and sort of like understanding how to take care of ourselves with simple non-invasive remedies that, that work in conjunction with our, our life force, build our natural resilience, don't have a lot of side effects, are healthy for the environment because they come from nature, healthy for the economy because people – can stay connected to nature and they stay growing these medicinal plants because they're valuable, then you're, then it's, then it's the wrong direction to go in. And, and we don't, we don't want that to be the tiniest slice. We want that to be the biggest. It it does go both directions though. That's important. I'm not a Western medicine hater or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly like when it's like, you know, when it's used in a holistic framework, like functional medicine is looking at like healing, issues from the root and, and, and getting to causation and rather than most merely symptom suppression, you know, educating people on how to take care of themselves, 
etiology of where disease processes come from and how they can intervene on their own behalf to to improve their health and well-being. I mean, that all can be a part of and often is a part of Western medicine. And sometimes those techniques and tools of Western medicine are vital mm-hmm. often. And the thing is, people oftentimes have unrealistic expectations of what natural medicine can do and sometimes approach it as a way of like, I'm not, I'm only going to use, you know, natural medicine or plants and never engage with uh, pharmaceuticals or surgery or diagnostics or something that Western medicine has to offer. And I say, take it all. It's really yeah. just about the proportionality and, and, and understanding that, you know, like what you said, I had, uh, I, I started an herbal pharmacy and even the word herbal pharmacy or herbal apothecary, it sounds crazy in a lot of ways. It's like, what is that? And there's not like, 10,000 herbal pharmacies in every small town in America, but no. there certainly is, you know, conventional pharmacies, much more than 10,000 of them. Yes. And, and Almost so on every block and some right. towns. The other thing that I want to talk about, let's just to give an example of what you're talking about is everything in its place. Like plant-based natural medicines have their place and so does so do pharmaceuticals sometimes. So does surgery sometimes. It's about finding the right balance. I think. Yeah, and the thing about the the, the thing about the pyramid though, that what's what's good is it, it has obviously you know it should has a natural integrity, and what I mean by that is even if you do need surgery, or you're taking a pharmaceutical for a particular health issue, that doesn't that doesn't mean that that utilizing acupuncture or every day waking up and making certain herbal teas that you have in your your cupboard or cooking with medicinal plants in your you know cuisine aren't applicable the thing about medicinal plants in, in particular but also all these aspects of traditional medicine that, that i'm talking about with this pyramid is that they're applicable no matter what you know like you even if you are fully engaged with the upper tiers you know say you break your leg and you have to go to the emergency room well to to heal that properly and and well might require that you utilize all four of the tiers of that pyramid. You know, you might need some kind of anti-inflammatory drug for a period of time and crutches and so on. And then you might need to, at, at that point, like get some acupuncture and some other kinds of uh, manipulations or, or, you know, therapies that are like uh, massage and so on and the, the second tier. And at the same time, you might be taking various things like boswellia or turmeric or things that might help reduce and, and hasten and make more efficient the inflammatory response in your body to heal the connective tissue faster and more completely. And so, and that's an example of just utilizing all of those tiers of the pyramid. Yeah. Um, so you know, I have a, per, I have a personal example to share that includes you. <laughs> if you'll indulge, you know, that whole, <laughs> that, um, that whole tendency that you were talking to about, you know, sometimes when you get into herbal medicine, you can start to have that uh, feeling like it can do it all, you know, and you resist uh, a more tr- uh, Western treatment. It becomes a mindset, like you don't need it. Like I'm going to solve this with plants alone. And at the end of the seven-month internship that I was doing at Gold Thread, I got really sick. I don't know if you remember that. I got diagnosed with Lyme mm-hmm. disease, ehrlichiosis, and yep. mono. All at the same time. Now, who knows what, because there's a lot of false positives there, but I was not well. (laughs) Um, And I was seeing you for treatment. So I was getting acupuncture and doing uh, 
mix of traditional or Chinese medicine, I think there was a lot of mushrooms involved there. I don't remember what the formula was, but I was doing astragalus and licorice root. Like you were saturating me with different plants at different times over time and doing acupuncture. And it just so happened that while that was happening, I had previously said that I would be a student for you in your class with, I think it was Lonnie Jarrett, is that his name? Oh, yeah. Your acupuncture yep. teacher. <laughs> right. Um, so I was yeah. still like, I was kind of uh, in the first third, I think, of my treatment of uh, those conditions. And Lonnie d read my pulse and he was just looked at me and he's like, you got to go on antibiotics right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I didn't want to. You know, I was trying to do it all through natural ways. I did not want to go on antibiotics, but he was like, you got to do it. And so we ended up doing that doxy thing for a month in addition to all of the other things. And you adjusted all of the different plants and I'm sure the, the needle points and all those things to adjust my reaction to having the antibiotic, you know, which also changed things. You know, I had to be treated just for, you know, what that was doing to my system. And so... It was one of those things where you really need both. And I, when I think back about it and about how sick I was during that time and how I don't have long-term symptoms with Lyme, which a lot of people do, I can't tell you why that is. But when I think about it, I feel like it was because I had those multi-levels. I said yes to them and I followed them and I had the support. And I also had a situation where I could take some time off and actually rest too, which was part of it. I didn't try to push through it and keep up my normal schedule. So, yeah, I think that I, I do, I do remember that. And I just think that, you know, the overall thing is, is keeping dogma out of the conversation and then, and, and really grounded in, in practicality is how I've yeah. treated my uh, practice. That's how I orient my career these past couple of decades. It's just, you know, you, there's not a lot of room for um, just kind of like uh, shenanigans, you know. When it comes yes. people, when you treat people that are especially, you know, when you're treating people in, on the coast of Maine, the, the objective is results. There's not like someone who wants to adopt this as a persona necessarily. They just say, "Hey, I'm in pain and I want results, and I'll do anything to get the results." I don't really care about all the, you know, the 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 story around this medicine. I just want to. I just want to utilize it if yes. it works. And so a lot of times that's that's what you do. And then you draw from any category you can to get accomplish that and work with a lot of great docs from every different discipline. Yeah. And uh, that's how it goes. We'll be right back after a short break. Hey there, it's me again with a friendly reminder to follow our lovely little show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're really digging what you hear, like the show, review it, and share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Take care, and thanks for listening. get into the protocol specifically. What is it? There's five steps to it. And what's the goal? 
with the protocol and how to how do you get started? Well, the the book is again almost everything I've done, as you said in the beginning, is sort of it's all stemming from the same place. And when I from the early days of working in the apothecary, which I often will, you know, I, I've said it's like a, it was like a quasi public health institution because of the, the walk-in nature and like that I, 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 I had plants and remedies from all over the world. You saw it was stacked up to the ceiling more in an extensive collection. I was very much, um, I took very seriously and I still do curation because I know a lot about medicinal plants and how to grow them and what makes them strong. And I know about the, the trade itself and like how, how it works. So I know how to find the right stuff you know, and the, the good stuff, the hookup that really works. So I had all these medicinal plants. And what I realized working in that setting was that I would treat people for these issues that were, again, like oftentimes in progress and moving right along health problems that were sometimes, you know, severe and intractable. And I would give them the treatment in the back room with the, you know, the specific recommendations and formulations sometimes for those specific conditions but in often then i would say in between you know visits i think you should drink this tea that will strengthen the core system that's out of ba- that 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 was got out of balance and caused this condition or was a strong player in development of this condition that you're experiencing over time and that this is something that i would recommend to people like so if they came in with something that was say some inflammatory digestive issue, I might give them something for a period of time to really cool that down. And I, I mean, not, I might, I definitely would have along with the various treatments and, and lifestyle and dietary recommendations. But I would also then as things were improving, I would start to wean them off of the more stronger formulas, the more expensive supplement formulas and say, now drink this tea, you know, full of chamomile or, and peppermint and lavender and rose and linden and slippery elm and licorice. And I give them the instructions and say, drink this every day, a couple times a day for the rest of your life <laughs> or something. You know? And, uh, and I would do this and not tongue in cheek, well, kind of tongue in cheek, but re- in reality saying that like now this reason that this, you are, you're going to always have to take care of this system, you know, to keep it strong and healthy. And these are simple, non-invasive medicinal plants that are kind of everyday medicinal plants that anyone can use at any dosage range, pretty much, because they're very biocompatible. And this will keep your digestive system working well and and protect it from simple things like dryness and inflammation and leakage and so on and so forth that, given time, will develop into larger problems. And so the idea is like I would end up seeing that that most people's problems were over years of working in this setting and seeing thousands and thousands of people. You know, everyone was coming in with the same ideologies. If it's sleep and stress, digestive health, immunity, hydration, lack of nutrition, things like this that are kind of at the heart of people's more advanced issues given a long enough period of time for things to develop. And it became obvious to me that like without strengthening those systems, without attending to them um, ongoingly, people were not really going to ultimately like 
deal with the the origin story of whatever disease process or weak link in their physiology was ultimately going to lead to their issue coming back in some other form later on down the road. And and I also saw that there was a big gap in the way that people were using medicinal plants in that they used them as sort of a replacement for drugs, like a non-drug drug, like a green drug, but with the same mentality. And like a lot of times, you know, again, information coming from the internet or just, you know, the supplement industry or something. And it was sort of like not very user friendly or intimate in, in their understanding of how to use this every day to be well. It was like you buy something for an issue and then you put it in your cupboard a couple of days later and then you open the cupboard six months later. Like, oh, I remember I bought that thing for this thing. And that's not the best way to utilize plant medicine. I mean, plant medicine is best used as a prevention and optimizing approach and in our daily lives consistently all the time right and that's that's the key i think consistently and all the time and that's like the concept of like plant saturation what do you mean by that well that's where so that's the core message of the book was that there are certain systems that are non-negotiable foundations of health and wellness and those are the systems that govern or take care of um, our ability to sleep deeply and restfully and like restoratively to like be resilient to stress and like endocrine and hormonal disruptions and so on and so forth. And our ability to adapt, um, things like ensuring real proper and sufficient hydration throughout the body. And of course, digestion, detoxification, like these are all just examples of systems that I outline in the book that are, uh, that are foundational, that we're always interacting with every day anyway like we always are sort of like you know we're sleeping and we're like judging the, the nature and the sort of like a f- character of our a character of our sleep are we getting good sleep poor sleep somewhere in between sleep um what are we going to eat today how well are we digesting what we're eating are we getting the nutrients from what we're eating um are we hydrated um how how's my relationship to stress and how's my nervous system functioning and these are things that we we're always interacting with just by virtue of living in a body all day long, whether we know it or not. And most of the time we do know it. We're just not necessarily keyed into like, what questions are we asking ourselves that govern our relationship to these systems? But regardless, they all have to be working well for us to be healthy. It's like the, it's like the, the, the architecture or the foundation of wellness is that they, these critical systems are working well. And that just so happens that medicinal plants and what i do is i break them down into categories categories and this comes all out of my clinical practice over very intuitively and naturally developed out of my my clinical practice combined with the teachings and understandings of traditional chinese and ayurvedic philosophy and modern western understanding of physiology um break these medicinal plants into certain categories that enhance those different body functions and so they map on to the body functions we're looking to enhance very seamlessly and naturally. And what I mean by that as an example would be, you know, culinary spices are generally speaking, things like ginger and anything in turmeric and garlic and anything in our spice rack, cinnamon, you know, fenugreek, coriander, cardamom, all of these things are why they're called spices is because they have that flavor, a pungent flavor, and they're essentially like repositories of solar energy, the sun, they eat all that sunlight and they create these pungent, spicy compounds and they store them in their seeds and bark and roots and leaves. And then when we ingest that, 
that solar energy is liberated in our digestive system and it increases our digestive power. So it's like like increasing like. That heat of pungent principles and compounds in, say, ginger root that we all know when we eat has this, you know, yields an experience of like warmth and invigoration and, and heat. Well, when we eat that, that increases that capacity of our digestive system to break down our food efficiently. It's like adding like some, some kindling onto the fire of our digestive system. And what that does is strengthens that system. So basically cuisine developed, traditional cuisine, with aromatic and culinary spices embedded right into it. You can't think of a cuisine like Thai or Vietnamese or Greek and Italian cooking that doesn't, isn't really characterized by its complement of culinary spices. And there's a functionality in that. And there's also, of course, it's like delicious and sensually appealing and so on and so forth. But the functionality with that is what I'm talking about. It's about this very important and non-negotiable system working well called the digestive system starts with it, its ability to be able to break down efficiently whatever we're ingesting. And yeah. if adding in this category called culinary spices into our daily life consistently with every meal means that our system is going to be strong and, and efficient, that means we're going to get maximum nutrients and with the least residual waste and it's yummy and delicious and it all makes sense. And it's, but it's one of those things that we're talking about small incremental doses, like thoroughly saturating our days over time and then yielding results over time. And right. of course, now you could apply the same principle and I do to <laughs> mu multiple other categories in right in four the other ones <laughs> yeah, four I other mean, important ones right well fa yeah i mean so yeah that's the that's the I mean, I could go into another one, but that's the that's the thumbnail yes. sketch. I know. I know. Into. You know what? We should have had this like in three parts <laughs> because there's uh, so much to cover. Um, yeah. But you take those. I mean, the protocol is to take those those five steps, which tend to focus on those five different five different systems that you've been talking about, and to um, use the recommended plants. Um, and the recipes that you give to focus on that system for like a week or two and really use plants throughout your day in multiple different ways of consumption, whether it's inhaling them through essential oils or eating them or taking a tincture or however it is that you're consuming them. And you give lots of ways for people to actually use the plants that you're recommending for each system um, right. as a way to get to know yourself. You know, I think that's one of the coolest things about plants is that if you... If you decide to start working with them, it really is a way to start to work with getting to know yourself. And the protocol that gives you the ability to look at each of those five important systems and to look at these plants, see how they affect you and figure out which ones work the best for you and how you can easily continue to use them throughout your day. You know, and I think that up front, it might seem like a ton of information, but you do it at your own pace. You know, and you take what works and you leave behind what doesn't. And sometimes that shifts based on where you are in your life. Yeah. And there's no getting it wrong. And this sort of like what's great about it is like using medicinal plants and, and everything I'm talking about in this protocol, it, it, it maps perfectly well onto any system that someone is already like engaged in related to, say, diet or any other kind of lifestyle consideration. I mean, there's no there's no diet, whether it's paleo or vegan or 
carnivore or somewhere in between that would sort of like um, would negate the you know, the the likelihood or the benefits of incorporating medicinal plants into your diet as well. So there's not it's not about taking away or sort of a thing where you have to then subscribe to a whole new system that at the, at the exclusion of some other system, this just exactly. yeah. maps onto all the systems. That's the whole yeah. point. And we should caution like you do in the book that if you are like under a certain regimen right now with your doctor <laughs> or taking a certain medicine regimen, you should consult with your practitioner to, before you start on this, just in case there are any overlaps, but generally safe for most people. But that's the precautionary statement you put out there. Which is yeah, and that's yeah. all, and it's and it's said in many different ways in the book yeah. along the way about how to how to think about it from an individual standpoint, you know, right. for, you, for so. Um, and I think what's also cool is like after you get through the, the the steps of the protocol, you actually talk to people about how to set up a home apothecary and like even how to like set up your house, you know, so that you have plant allies in different yeah. parts of your house so that they become seamless. I used to call it the herbal lifestyle back in the old days. But the idea is like you, that the, the rest of the book, the protocol is a central piece of it because it's like, how do you apply it in a way that is actually like um, beneficial and practical for you? And everything else about it is to support that through an understanding of like where these plants come from, what cultures have always done and, and how they've utilized medicinal plants and continue to do so. You know, I've told you uh, offline while, you know, th this led me on a search, like a, a, a resurgence of my original training in medical anthropology in these past five or so years, you know, gone to like 40 countries and, and visited the different cultures all around the world to see, what they're doing with their medicine, like plant cultures that generally speaking, enjoy like enviable health and wellness and freedom from like a lot of common chronic diseases. I have found invariably the places that I've visited also welcome medicinal plants into their daily life and don't really distinguish medicinal plants from food plants entirely. Like it's just part of the everyday lifestyle to like, for example, like in Greece to drink mountain tea, on a daily basis in, in Japan, of course, green tea and matcha and so on and ginger and wasabi. I mean, these things are part of everyday life in such a way that, which is what's great about this protocol is it's not dramatic. You know, we're talking about, we're not talking about some heroic measure. We're talking about what happens when you consistently use, or when you consistently use medicinal plants and ingest these novel phytochemicals and compounds and antioxidants and vitamins and trace minerals over extended periods of time as a lifestyle, your overall health um, and wellness sort of quotient just naturally increases. And, and that's the whole point is like, it's all happening in the background when you live a plant centric or a medicinal plant centric kind of lifestyle. And, and it's really quite easy. It's not like a stressful thing. It's actually quite not just fun. Easy, yeah. <laughs> it can be very it's, fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's natural and it's, 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 it's intuitive. And it's actually the way that we're, we're wired. We're, to, yeah. we're geared to, to be this way. And as humans, we're designed to ingest way more medicinal compounds, way more phytochemicals than we are currently. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are eating, I often talk about a phytochemical, like famine or deficiency or something. It's because, you know, as m monkeys, we, 
walking around on earth 200,000 years eating all kinds of stuff. And like a lot of things we're eating mostly had some medicinal compounds in them because they weren't domesticated to remove all that stuff. And yeah. so plant diversity is a huge part of what this book's about and, and, and is showing um, people how to re-engage with and reincorporate um, and integrate back into their lives. And that's, that's a vital aspect of health. I, I've gotten to the point, of course, oh, now I, I know we're getting close to our time, so I'll stop we this. Are. But I, mean, <laughs> I, I've just gotten to the point where I would say that this is not, it used to be that I would talk about all this stuff as like an option for, for optimal health and wellness. And now over 20 plus years, it's like, I think it's not optional. I think it's, it's, it's mandatory if you really want to have what I would consider like the best, you know, health that you can possibly um, engender. It's like medicinal plants as part of your everyday life is, is, is an essential component of that. And that I think will be coming more and more into the conversation. It already is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're going to have to stop it there. But before you go, you have to answer the question that I ask everybody. And obviously, you're living the plant protocol. So that's part of your self-care routine. But tell us something else that you're doing right now, because you are super busy. You got the book coming out. I'm sure you're running ragged trying to promote that. Uh, and you've got your plant venture, which you didn't get to, but we'll drop that in the show notes. <laughs> People can learn more about you. What are you doing to for some downtime right now? Or maybe it's not downtime. Maybe you're more go time. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's I'm tr- well. What you said, running myself ragged. That I'm, I'm definitely trying not to do that. You know, that's the that's the main thing. Is like is, is even in busyness and even with like a lot of hard work and and anticipated output at a high level, I'm very much clear that that is completely like at odds with like being a spaz and running myself ragged and kind of like foregoing the essentials of, uh, of maintaining my own health and wellness, you know, as a sacrifice mm-hmm. for some kind of goal, you know, it's not perfect, but I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely found a new level of like with that, I would say I'll just to keep it simple. The first thing that's popping into my mind it has nothing to do with what I was just saying, but it's minestrone soup. Uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm making currently right now after, and I'll go in there and I'll saute the onions right after this. But, uh, I've made a practice of making minestrone soup on a regular basis, like at least once a week and subsisting off it for like three or four days straight for almost every meal, a little bit of variety in there. But the idea being to utilize all sorts of vegetables and and legumes and of course medicinal plants like garlic and oregano and thyme and rosemary all into this one pot and like taking the time to cook and chop and smell and nourish the household in this way i was in in, in sardinia not too long ago and and i i was on the hunt for this particular minestrone soup that they make there and that was one of the reasons we went there. But the idea basically was it was all over Sardinia and the stuff. I, and, and what I realized about it, and I don't make it like they do, but it was that there's a there's something that's really important about um, about nourishment, frankly, but nourishment in the sense of, of especially this time of year, about you know taking control of your own kitchen environment and, and getting into a relationship with it and, and 
cooking stuff, nourishing the the nourishment starts so long before you actually ingest the food. I guess I would say yeah. it's in the like you know the feeling of the texture of all the different vegetables and the, all the different scents and aromas and the length of time it takes to like get hungry and really anticipate the ner- the food and then making sure everything's in one bowl that you don't have to think about it all the time. I just have it there and I know that whatever all I have to do is eat a bowl of this and I'm good to go because I made sure that what was going into it had everything in it that I could possibly need. And that so it's a way of saving time, but also it's a way of like spending time, you know? Yeah. Uh so it's a random example, but it's coming to my my Minestrone mind. Soup. We'll mark yep. it down, put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bill, it was a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much. And we're going to offer listeners a discount. We'll put that in the link, too. Uh, you can get the Plant Medicine Protocol at 20% off. It was just released on October 10th, and it's super. We're going to be selling it at our store, Lucky You, which are opening pretty soon. So all of that will be in the show notes. It's a great book. Thank you so much for putting it out into the world. Thanks. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks for having me on. And I'd love to come back because we just barely started getting into the plants. We were just getting cooking and I don't want to keep Will any longer. So, but uh, thanks, Will, for staying late. Yeah. Keep up the good work with all the great stuff you're doing. You're a natural at this for sure. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks go out to my creative crew at High Fidelity, Olaf Willoughby and Shane Lynn, and to the team at Syntax in Motion for producing this show. A special shout out to Will Davis, my sound engineer. Thanks to you for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you heard, subscribe on our website, hi5vt.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Better yet, like, share, rate, or leave a comment. You can request topics or interviews for our show by emailing us at bewell at hi5et.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, be well and have fun out there.